This is Public Occurrences, both foreign and domestic. And now your host, Michael O'Fallon. Over the past 20 years, we've experienced in education, in the corporate world, and in media, an attempt to eliminate nearly all of our cherished holidays in our nation. As a matter of fact, it's been throughout the entire West. Those that are trying to destroy these things or deconstruct our past traditions have attempted to erase our Christmas traditions, even attempting to rename our Christmas holidays and to replace them with Winter Holiday or holiday festival. Yes, they've tried to cancel Christmas. They've just tried to run over Easter completely, just leave it in the dust, replace it with bunny rabbits and eggs, things like that, negating the most important event in Christian history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Progressives have blasted Thanksgiving, with absolutely no historical evidence in an attempt to label the Puritans as invaders, Of course, Columbus Day also must be obliterated and have the day be called Indigenous Peoples Day, even though the formal discovery of a route to America was most likely the second most important date in the last 1,000 years, just after the Protestant Reformation. They have minimized July 4th and attempted to replace it with Juneteenth. And of course, they have attempted to take over the entire month of June with National LGBT Plus Pride Month in an attempt to denigrate Father's Day. But there is one day that the progressives will never try to change or alter. It is the communist-inspired day of Labor Day. Most of the world marks Labor Day on May 1st with parades and rallies. Americans celebrate it in early September by heading to the beach or firing up the grill. Well, you might be asking why there's a discrepancy. Why do we do this in September and not in May with the rest of the world. Well, let me give you a little bit of a background on exactly what is behind both Labor Day and May Day. And the answer would have been a great disappointment to Frederick Engels. Remember that Engels, along with Karl Marx, was the co-author of the Communist Manifesto and had high hopes for May Day, which originated actually in the United States. When the socialist-dominated organization known as the Second International jumped on the American bandwagon and adopted May 1st as International Labor Day, Engels confidently expected that the proletariats of Europe and America were going to merge into one mighty labor movement and sweep capitalism into the dustbin of history. And this might actually sound familiar about what might be happening around us right now, today. Well, of course, things didn't work out that way back in the late 1800s. And of course, the divergent Labor Day celebrations are part of the story. So Labor Day's predecessor, May Day's origins can be traced to Chicago. A lot of bad things started in Chicago, where the Federation of Organized Trades and Labor Unions, under its leader, Samuel Gompers, mounted a general strike on May 1st, 1886, as part of its push for an eight-hour workday. On May 4th, during a related Labor Day rally in Haymarket Square, someone threw a bomb, usually how things like this start, which killed a policeman and touched off a deadly melee. 
As a result, four radical labor leaders were eventually hanged on dubious charges. You see, back then, in those days, people didn't really take too kindly to the start of revolutions, especially not communist revolutions in their cities. So what followed quickly after that was that in 1888, Gompers Union reorganized itself as the American Federation of Labor, the AFL, and revived its push for the eight-hour day. Gompers laid plans for a strike to begin on May 1st, 1890, the fourth anniversary of the walkout that had led to the Haymarket Affair. Meanwhile, in Paris, France, a group of labor leaders were meeting to establish the Second International. To these French and Europeans, the executed Chicago radicals were revered martyrs. In an act of solidarity, the Second International set May 1st, 1890, as a day of protest. Engels, of course, was thrilled. Quote, As I write these lines, the proletariat of Europe and America is holding a review of its forces. It is organized for the first time as one army. Engels continues, The spectacle we are now witnessing will make the capitalists and landowners of all lands realize that today the proletarians of all lands are in very truth, united. If only Marx were with me to see it with his own eyes. End quote. What May Day did and still does, and maybe it takes a consumer-friendly, barely celebrated non-holiday to do so, is remind us that Marx is still here, alive in the minds of our nation in our labor parties, in the construct of what became both the Democratic National Committee and, as well, larger corporate America. Although communism as a political system is obviously a mess and has been recognized as being deadly to almost everyone that it touches, it has been revived. And now today, in 2021, Marx is a powerful force in our language, and in our thinking. So the Europeans, especially the French, that were looking over across the Atlantic and seeing what was happening in Chicago, the birthplace of so many terrible ideas, like ideas from Saul Alinsky, like ideas from Barack Obama. So they're looking across the Atlantic, and they're saying, we need to adopt this too. So the Second International adopted May and May Day as an annual event. And for years, it seemed as though May 1st might be on the way to becoming a rallying point for socialists and Marxists in America, as it was throughout the world. Now, the Panic of 1893 touched off a national wave of bankruptcies that plunged the nation into a deep depression. And depressions generally push workers towards radical solutions. Now, things came to a boil with the Pullman strike, which erupted in Chicago in May of 1894. The striking Pullman Palace Car Company workers quickly won the support of the American Railway Union, led by Gomper's rival, Eugene Debs. Railroad traffic in much of the country was completely paralyzed. Remember, There were no planes at that time. There were no buses at that time. There were no roadways at that time. 
it was a train that got you to where you want to go. Well, President Grover Cleveland, who was considered a conservative Democrat, was determined to squash the strike. But he did not want to alienate the American Federation of Labor, the AFL, which was not yet involved in the Pullman dispute. And moreover, in 1894, there was a midterm election that year, and the Democratic Party could ill afford to be seen as an enemy of labor. So Cleveland and the Democrats hit upon a possible solution. They would proclaim National Labor Day to honor the labored worker, the union workers. But not on May 1st, because May 1st, which, by the way, again started in Chicago. But now that date was tainted by its association with Marxists, socialists, and anarchists worldwide. But there was an out for Cleveland, that's Grover Cleveland, by the way, that back in September of 1882, certain unions had begun to celebrate sort of a Labor Day in New York City. By 1894, this event was an annual late summer tradition in New York that had been adopted by numerous states. But it, by that time, was not part of a wider national holiday. Nor was it associated with the radicals and the Marxists who ran the Second International and who liked to run riot on May Day. On the contrary, the September date was closely associated with Mr. Gompers, who was campaigning to have it declared a national holiday. And Mr. Gompers opposed the socialists and was guiding the American Federation of Labor towards a narrower and less radical agenda at the time. Gratefully, Cleveland seized upon the relatively innocuous September holiday as a way to reward labor without endorsing radical Marxism. So on June 28th, 1894, Grover Cleveland signed an act of Congress establishing Labor Day as a federal holiday on the first Monday of September. He made a point of sending the signing pen to Gompers, by the way, as a souvenir, just like how... You know, Nancy Pelosi sends pens to people after they sign some sort of radical piece of legislation. Anyway, less than a week later, the president sent federal troops to Chicago. Gompers refused to support any strike that would be happening from those that were trying to make it on May or trying to turn it into a Marxist revolution. And so all of those that were involved in the Chicago actions and all their Marxist revolutions, that all started to fall apart. But think about what Grover Cleveland was able to do. In essence, he used the dialectic. So we first had the problem. And the problem was this, that the unions, the labor unions, the Marxist, everybody, were complaining that we must have a day to recognize the proletariat, the worker, in May, as Frederick Engels had suggested. Then the response was, we can't have a day to recognize collective labor unions in May because May Day now has become a communist invention. So the solution is that we will nix the communist prescribed May Day, rename it Labor Day, and move it to September. So you had problem, a response, and a solution. Thesis, antithesis, synthesis. With his union and ruins, by the way, 
Debs went into politics, but his socialist party ultimately failed to catch on as America's party on the left. Organized labor did not regain its momentum until the 1930s, and by that point, Gomper's September holiday had been institutionalized as America's Labor Day. May Day, though, in the way that Engels had thought of it, and as the way that Chicago had originally tried to enforce it, May Day had become the occasion for big annual parades in Moscow's Red Square, which did not improve that holiday's reputation in the United States. May Day today is well established in most of the world as International Labor Day. Just think, it all started in Chicago. And May 1st also remains a traditional date on which leftists and anarchists of various stripes take to the streets to demonstrate their scorn for capitalism. But America, which had proved impervious to socialism through nearly 200 years, celebrates Labor Day in September, and not by marching. At least, that was the case until we hit the pandemic. Or, if you lived in Portland. But those that were loyal to Gompers and the original content of the September Labor Day movement, they pretty much gave it up after a while because everybody just looked at it as a three-day weekend. Everybody headed to the grill, got some beers, or maybe they went to a theme park, went to Coney Island and the beach, and so forth. So... In the West, post-COVID, we have now moved past May Day and Labor Day to May Year and Labor Year. And that's due in part in the effort to destroy small and medium-sized businesses and to deconstruct the idea of work and jobs altogether as our society is being transitioned into the empty promises of universal basic income and Richard Florida's dream of the creative class. A world without work. A world where work is only for machines, artificial intelligence, and advanced robotics. Yes, everything that Klaus Schwab dreams of. A world where a hard day's work is looked at as slavery. And where doing nothing and getting paid for doing nothing while being placed under the control of the state is being regarded as justice. But it bears repeating that Labor Day and May Day will be the one holiday that the great resetters and Marxist utopians in their now immunitized goals of subverting work with a focus on systematized and preordained consumption, they won't want that to end. The only thing they'll want to do is extend it from a day to a year, to many years, to just the way that things are, the new normal, the new systems, which is a fascistic national socialism embedded with Marxism at its core. So here's a suggestion. On this Marx and Engels-inspired Labor Day, make sure that you're working. Work in defiance of the nonsense. If your place of employment is not open this Monday, work on your family. 
your relationships, your home, or find a place to engage others if you are single. But please, use this Labor Day to, in some sense, labor and leave the Sabbath to the Lord. I'm Michael O'Fallon, and this has been Public Occurrences, both foreign and domestic. Thank you.